this part of the show, I'm going to throw some facts at you, things I've looked up that I've, some I've thought about, some I knew about, some I really never followed up on. But at least one or two of them that I, I have, when you hear this, it, there is science behind this. And I'm saying that because there's so much news out there now, if you even want to call it news, they just make it up, whether it's CNN or Fox or I don't care, MS, anybody. That we need to make sure that when we hear something that it's true. And at this point, it's been very difficult to uh, define. So I'm going to talk to you about something that I've thought off and on about for years. And I finally made up my mind. And that's I've decided to no longer cook with aluminum foil. And yes, I know you're getting tired of people telling you that the things you've been eating or using for years are bad for your health. Some you've accepted. At least in my case, I do my best to stay away from as much gluten as I used to eat. I eat organic all I can. We'll talk about that on another show. And strategically, I've chosen to ignore some things. I still eat a good, probably not too good for you, but I love it. Ice cream once in a while. And um, I have done this, though. I have gotten rid of all my non-stick fry pans and everything else that has those kind of plastics and PFOAs and Teflons and everything in them. So I urge you to do that without even going into this. But here's one you probably should avoid, like the plague, now that I've read about it. That's aluminum foil. Believe it or not, every time you use aluminum foil in the kitchen, it's got a chance of harming your health. Here are three reasons to keep aluminum foil out of your kitchen. And, and I'll give you a healthier two alternative that I've learned to work with. Science shows that aluminum foil is a neurotoxin. Aluminum has long been scrutinized by scientific communities for its potential role as a neurotoxin. Researchers maintain and now show that due to the fact that aluminum has no physiological role in the human body. We don't use aluminum in our body. It has the potential to cause significant detrimental effects when consumed, especially on a regular basis. If you did that once in your life, it's probably going to be a problem. But it's everywhere. This theory was unequivocally proven back in a 2014 study that showed that this particular 66-year-old man died with Alzheimer's disease. And what they found is a significantly elevated aluminum content in his brain following eight years of occupational exposure. While the study noted that it was the respiratory system that was exposed to most of the aluminum dust, they now know that there is a direct link between the aluminum ingestion and Alzheimer's disease. We know that that's a debilitating neurological disorder. In spite of what companies like Reynolds Aluminum may tell you, Current research shows that aluminum from sources like foil increases a person's risk of developing bone disease. A study examined the effect of hemodialysis, which causes buildup of aluminum in the blood, found that about 37% of the dialysis patients had developed aluminum-associated bone disease. The study proponents concluded that the long-term oral intake and hemodialysis patients resulted in a higher prevalence of aluminum-associated bone diseases. It was theorized that aluminum either directly or indirectly impacts osteoblast production, which in turn leads to bones wasting away. Do let me emphasize here, though, the key is this little statement, long-term oral aluminum intake. Many would argue that using aluminum foil regularly for years would equate to long-term oral aluminum intake. This means that using aluminum foil in the kitchen is shown to contribute to bone disease. 
Another study I looked at was about aluminum foil and its promotion of pulmonary fibrosis. Using aluminum foil to prepare, store, or cook food increases a person's risk of developing pulmonary fibrosis. It's a, it's a form of lung disease, folks. A study that performed lung tissue analysis of nine workers exposed to aluminum oxide found an alarming amount of high levels of aluminum in their lung tissue, showing that aluminum exposure contributed to the development of pulmonary fibrosis. But it does show, incidentally, though, that while aluminum foil might not contribute to lung disease at the same rate as breathing in aluminum oxides, it's still a very real risk that cooking with aluminum is a contributory cause to pulmonary fibrosis and other diseases of the lung. As far back as the study in 2012 uh, at the University of Ain Shams in Cairo, they examined the different ways in which aluminum foil and other cookware interact with food. Leaching of harmful aluminum compounds was by far the highest when acidic foods like lemon juice or tomatoes were coming in contact with any aluminum foil. And this was often further exacerbated by the use of certain spices, which is something I use probably in everything I cook. So that got my attention. Kind of wind it up, folks, in spite of what you've been told. In essence, aluminum foil is not inert. When exposed to certain foods, it's been shown to leach a portion of its metallic compounds into that food as you're using it. Whereupon people obviously end up eating it. You don't know it's there. From here, it can build up in the blood. We have a way to get rid of it. Muscles and organs and contribute to all manner of health problems. Science is only just starting to understand just how negative these consequences may be. But, folks, there's other things you can use. And so I've cast out all aluminum. I don't even store things in aluminum anymore. I might also add here, I also don't own any aluminum pots and pans or anything. I do stainless steel some, but almost everything I have is cast iron. And if you want to store food in the fridge or pantry, always use my favorite is glass storage containers. Glass is completely inert and doesn't transfer any harmful chemicals or metals into your food, no matter how acidic they may be. This way, we're also minimizing waste as the glass containers are used over and over again, unlike aluminum ones, which foil just usually is one use and gets thrown in the trash. I had to be a promoter of mason and ball jars. They work for me over and over. They're convenient. You can get half pints, pints, quarts, almost up to two gallons, I think, or so. And I store practically, if you go look in my refrigerator, everything that's stored for some reason is usually in one of those jars. Where I used to use aluminum, for instance, well, let's say cooking baked potatoes, I now have bought these simple, very inexpensive ceramic dishes with a solid lid. It does the same effect. The effect is exactly the same. It's just that ceramic doesn't leach compounds into my food. And for baking, I love Pyrex or glassware, high-quality silicone bakeware that doesn't require any sort of lining is now available. I've not gotten into it very much. I didn't trust it to get that hot, but boy, it can take 500 degrees. I've been, I've been learning. These materials are much nicer to use, reusable, usually produce higher quality dishes, higher than the aluminum did, and, and doesn't create any waste. They're reusable. It's a win-win for me. It's my only go-to now. Uh, think about it for yourself. 
for a real change of pace, though, just to kind of mix things up. I came in the class this study, and it made so much sense, I felt like I had to share it. I mean, I've always thought it's illogical that I knew people, because I'm pretty crippled up. I've only got one good leg, one eye, one ear. But they'll take escalators and elevators uh, because they don't want to walk, and then they have to go spend money to go to the gym and use a stair machine. What? Anyway, the same could be said for people who go to the supermarket for produce and go to the gym to work out afterwards. Why not just combine the two and do some work in the garden? Great idea. Gardening benefits the planet and can do remarkable things for your health. It may sound counterintuitive to you, but I, even though I have been known to be promoted as a, I call it a lazivore. In other words, no dig gardening. I usually advocate not even raking your own leaves. They're better off left where they are in most cases. There's still plenty of activity to be had and plenty of benefits gleaned from doing your own gardening. As a for instance, if you have to be a calorie counter, which I'm really not, but I'm not sure it's all bad. Uh, here's some, some studies that, that kind of gave me an insight. This is one hour of gardening. Okay, well, this is what it does for your body. One hour. That's not very long, folks, but, but it burns, if you're really landscaping, about five or 600 calories an hour. Raking leaves are about 400 calories an hour, if you like to do it. Just clearing the gardening, another four or 500 calories an hour. Mowing the lawn, and now with the new mowers, about 250 or 300 calories an hour. Weeding, especially if you're on your hands and knees doing it the right way, about 400 calories. Planting, believe it or not, if you dig your own holes, is at least 400 per cal- calories per for planting and uh, watering alone, just walking around spraying the hose and doing it right, uses over uh, 120 calories an hour at least. And I did come across this, I have to throw it in here. A Dutch study published in the Journal of Health Psychology found that gardening and of all other things, reading, two different things, each led to decreases in cortisol after stressful tasks. But decreases were significantly stronger in the gardening group than in the reading group. Additionally, reportedly, there were positive moods and fully restored after gardening, but further deteriorated during reading. So even though my best lady friend I have now is a big, big reader, I'm definitely going to send this to her. She, she's, uh, she is a gardener too, but I'll have to tell her she needs to spend a little bit more time in her garden. The positive association with gardening was observed for a wide range of health outcomes, such as reductions in depression and anxiety symptoms, stress, mood disturbance, as well as increases in quality of life, sense of community, physical activity levels, and cognitive functions. And finally, just kind of add to it for the fun of it. Least we forget the other perks of working literally in the dirt as well, and they include top of the list, if you happen to think about it, saving money on produce, saving money on gym memberships, if you really go do it, conserving resources used otherwise that you wouldn't have to use if you don't go to the gym and have to get out, saving resources used for producing, packaging, and shipping commercial produce if you've got to go buy it, ensuring your supply and increasing your intake of really good, inexpensive, and the way I grow them, all organic fruits and vegetables, providing for habitat for wildlife and especially for the pollinators that we need so bad. Of course, this is really all provided provided you have a bit of earth to call your own. If not, everywhere I go, even the small town I live in now, consider joining a community garden or volunteering at a park or public cleanup area. And remember, no matter which one you join, there is never a membership required. 
<laughs> it's always uh, volunteer, and you can enjoy it, and, and it'll uh, at least save you. If you still want to go to the gym, I guess go once a minute. If you did it this one hour a day or so, I, I always tell everybody if they'd only work in their normal garden, a small garden like most of us have, 15 minutes every day. Never miss. It'll never get ahead of you. But that doesn't mean you can't do more, grow more garden, get into the perennial gardening business, which I've learned it's way more productive than I ever thought. So think about all that. It's, it's uh, all for your health. It's all positive. It's uh, back to getting away from, from the commercial driving, the use of the gas. You got to in my earlier in the show, I talked about plastic bags. I don't use them anymore. And if I forget mine, I usually walk out of my grocery store carrying my groceries or have them put them back in the cart. And then I do always have bags in my car. I just don't always remember to bring them in. And I'm still got bags coming to my house. I'm still not 100% folks. I'm not trying to paint a pretty picture here. But I'm down 80% of what I used to be a few years ago. I carry bags everywhere, and I use them for most everything. I mean, even just to take my clothes to clean them, where I now do it in cloth bags. So anyway, food from thought again from Organic Matters. Thanks for staying tuned in.